me ask you one more time to stand with me as we read verses 34 through 43, Peter proclaiming the gospel to Cornelius. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and caused him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead, to him All the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, we recognize the the gospel truth this morning. And I pray that as we we talk about the the things that that Peter shares here, that the things that I would desire every person here would profess is true. We, we pray that you would do your supernatural work in our hearts. For those who do not yet believe in your son Jesus, you would help them see that the beauty of your son and they would respond in faith and belief in him, turning from sin and turning to faith in him. And for those of us who do see the, the truth of the gospel, help us see the, the beauty of the gospel and to be enthralled by it in, in such a way that we proclaim it to others. We pray this by your, in your grace, in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. John Calvin, in the preface to a translation of the New Testament, he wrote these words about the gospel, and we're talking about the gospel this morning, this gospel that Peter shares. Listen to what John Calvin wrote about the gospel. Without the gospel, everything is useless and vain. Without the gospel, we are not Christians. Without the gospel, all riches is poverty, all wisdom, folly before God. Strength is weakness, and all the justice of man is under the condemnation of God. But by the knowledge of the gospel, we are made children of God, brothers of Jesus Christ, fellow townsmen with the saints, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, heirs of God with Jesus Christ, by whom the poor are made rich, the weak, strong, the fools, wise, the sinners, justified, the desolate, comforted, the doubting, sure, and slaves, free. The gospel is the word of life and truth. It is the power of God for the salvation of all those who believe and the key to the knowledge of God, which opens the door of the kingdom of of heaven to the faithful by releasing them from their sins. That's the gospel. You say, okay, 
I understand the gospel is valuable, but what exactly is it? I see the value of the gospel. It's, it's precious. It does all these things, but what exactly is the gospel? I hear the word gospel used all the time. What exactly is the gospel? And I want to talk about that this morning on this Resurrection Sunday, the, the nature of the gospel that proclaims that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And I'm, under, I'm aware this morning that there are several groups that are, are present this morning. Some of you are believers. You're Christians. You're followers of Christ, disciples. You're followers of the way. You're in Christ. You've turned from sin and placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You're, you're Christians. And I'm, I'm aware that you're here this morning. And I want to share with you the gospel and encourage you to be proclaiming it to those whom you love as you behold the beauty of the resurrected Savior. I'm also aware this morning that, that there are some of you who may not be Christians. Maybe you're not believers. You're not in Christ. And you're aware of that this morning. You are here with a family member. Maybe you're here because mom and dad said you're coming to church this morning. Maybe you're here because your kids asked you to come to church with you. Maybe you're here because you're like, what is this church that is putting their signs up all over Washington? Maybe you're here because of that this morning. And so I want to share with you what the gospel is, what scripture teaches us about the good news of God. And maybe you're part of another group here this morning. You're one of these two groups. You're either a believer or not a believer, but you're not sure which you are. Maybe you've made a, a profession of faith. You prayed a prayer at one time. You're like, okay, did that, am I a Christian? Did I, did I pray that right? What exactly do I need to believe? What do I need to do? Is there a card I need to sign? Did I pray the right prayer? How, how exactly can I be confident that I'm a Christian? That's what I want to talk with you about this morning. And as we look at what Peter shares here in verses 34 through 43 of Acts chapter 10, really there are two questions that I want to meditate on with you this morning. The questions are, what is the gospel and how do I share it? What is the gospel message and how do I share it? And let's start with the first question this morning. What is the gospel? As we look at Scripture, we see that Scripture tells us several things about the gospel. And whenever Scripture is talking about the gospel, there are various things that Scripture emphasizes about the gospel. Simply put, the gospel, the word gospel means good news. Very simply, the gospel means good news. Now, what does Scripture tell us about God's gospel, God's good news? Michael Bird, in his book on systematic theology, he he spent a, a section talking about some things that Scripture tells us about the gospel. Let me share with you some of those things that we see in Scripture about the gospel. First of all, we see that the gospel doesn't begin in the New Testament. It begins in the Old Testament. The gospel, God's good news, begins from the very beginning of God's revelation to his people. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, would say, I, when I shared the gospel, I delivered to you the, the message of first importance, the gospel, and he says the, the message about Jesus Christ dying according to the, to the scriptures for our sins. He, he died and rose again according to the scriptures. He's, this is a message that occurred in the Old Testament that God proclaimed to us. The gospel good news of Jesus doesn't just begin 
with the story of the resurrection. It goes back into the, God's very beginning of revealing himself to us. Another thing scripture tells us about God's good news is that God's good news, the gospel, is a message about the kingdom of God. Remember what Isaiah said in Isaiah 52, 7? How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who bring the gospel, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. That The message of the gospel is a message about God's kingdom and the reign of God over that kingdom. The gospel includes the story of of Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. We see that here in Acts chapter 10. The gospel, Scripture tells us, also is is an announcement. It's a message that's proclaimed. It it announces the status of Jesus as son of David, son of God. Remember what Paul would say in 2 Timothy 2.8 to his young friend Timothy. He would say, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my my gospel and my good news. In Romans chapter 1, he's talk, Paul's talking about the gospel of God, the gospel of God which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the message proclaimed by God's good news. We also see in Scripture, as God talks about the gospel, that the gospel is a message that we need to respond to. We're called to believe it, to repent of our sins, and to believe the gospel message. And we also see, as God talks about his gospel and tells us about his gospel, is that we're saved by the gospel. Salvation is the the benefit of the gospel. Now, As you hear people talk about the gospel, sometimes we're going to to emphasize different things about the gospel. Sometimes someone's going to talk about the gospel and they're going to talk about the the proclamation of the gospel. They're going to really focus on the message that's proclaimed as a person talks about God's good news. Sometimes when we talk about the gospel, we're going to focus on the the person of the gospel. We're going to focus on Jesus Christ and, and the good news proclaimed about the person of Jesus Christ. And so as we talk about the gospel, sometimes that's what we're going to be speaking of. And sometimes when we talk about the gospel, we're going to emphasize the need to respond to the gospel, to, to hear that message, to believe in Jesus Christ, and respond to the gospel by, by, by repentance and faith. Let me give you a, a couple of definitions, and you're not going to have time to, to write them all down. You can, you can Google them as you, you hear who they're, who they're from and uh, look at them later, maybe. The first one's a little bit short. And, and all of these, I think, are good summaries of, of what the Bible teaches about God's good news. Here's one that's, that's very short. This is uh, from Max Stiles, his book on evangelism. And this is uh, the book that we're going to pass out in a, a couple weeks. Here's what Max Stiles says about the gospel. The gospel, the gospel is the joyful message from God that leads us to salvation. So what's the gospel? It's, it's good news. It's a joyful message from God that leads us to salvation. That's a true, good, short, brief summary of what the gospel message is. But maybe if you're not very familiar with the truths of, of Scripture, you, you say, okay, well, that's, that's helpful to know, but what's the message? A message, what's, what's the content of that message? And here's Here's a little bit of a longer definition. This definition is 
this definition is from Danny Aiken. The gospel message is the good news that Jesus Christ came from heaven, died on the cross, having lived a perfect sinless life, bore then in his body the full penalty of our sins, was raised from the dead. And those who repent of sin and place their faith in the perfect work of Christ can and will be saved. There's the gospel. So it's, it's good news about a person, about Jesus Christ, and here's what he did. Lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins. Christ rose from the dead through the power of the Father. And, and then I, I like this definition or this summary of the gospel because it also emphasizes the need to respond to that gospel message. What do we do? Well, those who repent of sin and who place their faith in Jesus Christ, his perfect work, can and will be saved. It's a promise of God. That's, that's good news. Right? Now here's a little bit even of a longer definition. That's Danny Aiken. Here's a little bit of a longer definition, maybe for someone who's even less familiar with the truths of, of Scripture about who Jesus Christ is and about who we are. This is a definition from Mark Dever. Here's what he writes. Here is what I understand the good news to be. The good news is that the one and only God who is holy made us in his image to know him, but we sinned and cut ourselves off from him. In his great love, God became a man in Jesus, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross, thus fulfilling the law himself and taking on himself the punishment for the sins of all those who would ever turn and trust in him. He rose again from the dead, showing that God accepted Christ's sacrifice and that God's wrath against us had been exhausted. He now calls us to repent of our sins and to trust him. In Christ alone for our forgiveness. If we, if we repent of our sins and trust in Christ, we are born again into a new life, an eternal life with God. Now, that is good news. And he is absolutely right. That is the news that those of us who are in Christ rejoice in. Someone is, they, they came in this morning just the, the joy of Resurrection Sunday on their face, uh, said to me, said, Daniel, I don't know how people who don't have Christ live their lives. This, this weekend we're celebrating the, the event of, of our lives. How can someone not experience the same joy this weekend? And that is true for every person who is in Christ. This gospel message is all to us. We, we think about the person of Christ and, and the beauty of the gospel message. There is no better news for us. This is the reason we now live. This is our hope. And here in Acts chapter 10, you, you see Peter proclaiming this good news to Cornelius, don't you, right? He's, he says he's Lord of all, he, and you know what happened. He shares the, the, the things about Jesus Christ's life that he thinks they need to hear. And he talks about how we're witnesses of this. And then he calls them to respond to the message of Jesus Christ's good news. He says in verse 43, all who believe in him receive forgiveness of sins through his name. So there's this call to response. Peter is proclaiming the good news to Cornelius and to all those who are with him. He's sharing the gospel. Now, that's what the gospel is. What about this second question? 
The second question that I, I want us to think about this Resurrection Sunday is this. How do I share the gospel? How, how do I share the gospel? This morning, maybe as you think about the gospel and this good news, this news, this Resurrection Sunday, that you're, this gospel message that you're rejoicing in, you think this is, this is the, the most important message to me. I, I think about the, the beauty of God and of, of God the Son and, and this, this, this beautiful gospel story. And there are people in my life who don't know this story or, or don't believe this story. How can I share this good news with them? Again, this is something we are going to be talking about in the weeks and months to come. I'm going to be pleading with you, exhorting you, encouraging myself and exhorting myself to be sharing this gospel message as we see Peter and Paul and, and others engage in this work of missions. This is what I would be calling our church to, what God would be calling our church to as well. It's something that he's commanded us to do, and it's our joyful duty to be obedient to that. You say, okay, I, I want to do that, and now I've, I've, got this, I've got this mom, or I have this dad, and, and they, they would profess no faith. Maybe they're an atheist. What do I need to tell them, Daniel? What's, what's the content of, of what I need to say? How do I share the gospel with them? Or maybe I have a, a brother or a brother-in-law, and and this brother or brother-in-law, maybe they're part of a Roman Catholic church. And you say, okay, they, they, they believe a lot of the same things I do about Jesus. But when they talk about the, the confidence and, and how they know they're going to go to heaven, they often don't talk about the work of Christ. Sometimes they're talking about their own work and, and what they, they've done or trying to, how they've tried to be obedient or they're looking to a baptism or some sort of thing that they've done. How do I, how do I know whether or not they've truly believed the gospel? Or maybe you're a parent and you have a son or a daughter, and, and they've grown up in the church, and they can tell you a lot of good Bible stories, and, and you say, okay, that's, that's good, that's helpful, but, but how do I know if they've believed the gospel? How do I know if they're, how do I share the gospel with them? Or, or maybe you're just even asking yourself, okay, I've, I know a lot of things about Jesus. I've, I've read through the Bible. How do I know if I've understood God's good news and received the benefit of Christ's work on my behalf? How do I share the gospel? And what I would first tell you, you share the gospel by loving God and loving others, first and foremost. You love God as you recognize who God is. You love him. You love his beauty. You love his mercy and his grace displayed for us on the cross. And then you love others enough to point them to the beauty of God but what about the content of what you share? What, what things do you say? You say, I desperately want to see people in my life come to faith in Christ. We're going to talk more about that again in the weeks and months to come. But let me just share with you a couple things. And, and let me encourage you with this too. You're never going to share the gospel perfectly, right? Peter, in this story, we're going to talk about Peter. Peter really messes up here. Cornelius calls him to him, says, look, God prepares Peter to go share the gospel with Cornelius. Peter's been called to proclaim the gospel throughout the world. And Peter comes to Cornelius, and, and, and instead of just sharing the gospel, he says, what do you want? We need boldness, right? My son and I were talking this morning about a gospel opportunity we have, and I was sharing about this gospel opportunity we have with, with some people, and, and he says, 
he said to me this morning, Dad, this sounds really awkward. I said, I know. Even Paul had to pray for boldness in sharing the gospel, right? So how, how do I do this? What would I say? I can remember being in, in high school, and when I was a junior in high school, the youth pastor was talking about the gospel, and he says, how many of you are Christians and believe the gospel? And most of us raised our hands. He said, okay, now how many of you would be willing to come up here this morning and share the gospel with me, pretending like I'm an unbeliever? You know, every hand went down. And I just remember sitting back in my seat going, I do not know what I would say. Please do not call on me. And I was someone who had believed the gospel. I couldn't ever remember not believing the gospel. What do we say? How do we, how do we share this? Well, what I would say, and I would encourage you, by the way, Take, take some notes here this morning, and maybe even as a family or with friends later today, you could practice sharing the gospel with one another. Here, here first of all, let me, let me just tell you some questions that I believe that the gospel that we share needs to address. Four, four, four key questions that the gospel addresses that we need to, to make sure that we are sharing with people. Question number one, who made me and to whom are we accountable? Who made us and to whom are we accountable? As we think about who is the authority in our lives, in our culture today, and we'll talk more about this in, in uh, two weeks as we spend some time together on Sunday evening talking about this. In our culture today, there's, there's a belief that we are all our, our own authorities. We're aut- autonomous. We have the ability in and of ourselves to decide what's right or wrong. But this, this question, who made us and to whom are we accountable, it's a question that all people ask whether they know that they're asking that question or not. And it's a question that our gospel message needs to address. The second question that our gospel needs to address as we share the truths of the gospel with other people, the second question we need to ask is what's our problem? What is our problem? What's, what's wrong with the world? It's not hard to convince someone that things are not the way that they should be. All of us are going to say that people don't treat us the way we like to be treated, or all of us are going to agree that the, the political system is broken, or that the moral system is corrupt, or that there are groups that are not living the way that they should. Where we're going to differ is why that is, and the nature of the problem. But our gospel needs to address what the problem with humanity is. Thirdly, we need to make sure that we're sharing with people what is God's solution to the problem. God in his word has revealed what the solution is. And we need to make sure as we share the gospel with our mom, our dad, our coworkers, our friends, our neighbors, that we're saying, look, this is what God's word says is the solution to our problem. And then the the fourth key question that every person needs to have an answer to is, how do I respond? How do I respond to that gospel message? How do I, myself, right here, right now, how do I come to be included in the salvation that God offers? Who made us? What's our problem? What's God's answer? And and what do I do with that information? How do I respond? And there's, there's four words that I... Then this isn't from me, by the way. Those, those questions come from Greg Gilbert in his book, What is the Gospel? And in the, again, in that book that we pass out in a couple of weeks, it'll, it'll address some of these things. But there are four key words that I think are helpful for us to make sure that we talk about to help people answer those four questions. And, and here are the four words. The first word is the word God. We need to make sure 
that people understand as we share the gospel who God is. And maybe this morning, you just need to be aware of knowing who is God. Many of us have wrong conceptions about who God is. Some of us maybe have a, a picture of the, the God of evangelical Christianity as being this, this God who just is, is angry all the time and is always ready to, to smite people. And, or maybe you have a conception of God who's kind of like this benign great-great-grandfather who's not really all that concerned with, with humanity. And, and what does Scripture tell us about God? Scripture tells us that he is the one who made us. Genesis 1.1 begins, a whole story of Scripture begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We need to make sure that people understand that God is creator and that God is, is loving. The verse that most people know, even if they've never even stepped inside a church, is that God loved the world and gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. We need to make sure that people understand that God is also a holy God. In him, John tells us in 1 John 1.5, there is no darkness at all. He's also a God, because he's holy, who will punish sin. Romans 2, Paul says, because of your hard and impenitent heart, you're storing up wrath. It's God's anger for yourself on the day of, of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. That's a truth that people need to understand about God. God is holy and he will punish sin. The second key word that I think is, is helpful for us to communicate to people is the word man or, or humanity. What do people need to know about themselves? We need to know that we are sinners. And I, I believe all of these things are, are only God can help a person understand. But I believe in our culture today, the idea of, of sin is a particularly hard truth to convince people of. In fact, one, one theologian says, you know, it's, it's not the word sin has kind of lost its punch. And he says when he shares the gospel, he tries to use the word evil. He tries to use the word evil. He writes, while the word sin might have lost its shock value, the word, the word evil has cultural currency. When I talk to sin about when I talk about sin to non-Christians or biblically illiterate Christians, I begin straight away with the idea of evil. The big question I bring them to is this, M- I, evil. And as we go through passages like Romans 3, we see the answer is absolutely, yes, I'm evil. Romans 7 describes our, our struggle with sin. And so all people, though they've been created good by God, have become sinful by, by nature. And from birth, we're alienated, we're separated from God, we're, we're enemies of God, subject to his wrath. As we communicate the gospel with people, we need to pray for boldness that God would help us communicate that and that God would soften hearts to help them understand that. The third word that I think is important for us to keep in mind is the word Christ. What, what was the third question? What is God's solution to our problem? Well, the answer, God's solution to our problem is Jesus Christ. In the beginning, John 1, 1 tells us, was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. He, he lived a perfect life and then died on the cross to bear the penalty for our sins and then rose from the dead. We need to make sure that people can understand that as they hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Isaiah 53, 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his or her own way. 
And the Lord has laid on him, the Lord has laid on Jesus, the sin, the iniquity of us all. 1 Timothy 2.5, there's one God, there's one mediator between God and man, the, the man, Jesus Christ. And as I share the gospel with people, and maybe I've asked this question of you when you've come into my office to talk about baptism or something, one of the, one of the first questions I ask someone is, if you were to die tonight and to stand before God and he were to ask you, why shall I let you into heaven, what would you say? And the way that people respond to that question often helps them understand if, whether or not they're trusting in themselves or trusting in Jesus Christ, the one mediator between God and man. Oftentimes people say, well, I've been a nice person. I've obeyed the Ten Commandments. I've given generously to the poor. I've, I've done these things. A person who says those things hasn't fully understood the gospel, that we are sinners. We cannot earn our salvation, that only, only Christ can pay the penalty for our sin. Which brings us to the fourth word. And that's the word response. The word response. How is this, how is this good news? What, what do I do? How can I be sure that I'm included? And, and this is where I would just really plead with those of you who may not be sure whether or not you are in relationship with God this morning. You need to respond to these truths. You need to respond to the free gift of salvation that God has offered you in his son Jesus. What a, what a beautiful thing if today, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, could be the day that you began a relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, well, respond how? The message of Scripture is very clear. It calls every one of us, rich, poor, short, tall, healthy, sick. Scripture calls every one of us to repent of sin and to place our faith in Jesus Christ, to trust in him and him alone, to call out to God, trusting in Christ, and he will save us. The time is fulfilled, Jesus would say in Mark 1.15. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Paul would tell the elders at Ephesus, the elders from Ephesus in Acts chapter 20 that he, was, he testified both to Jews and the Greeks of repentance toward God, so turning away from sin, saying, okay, I recognize that this life that I've been living is sinful, the self-righteousness, the pride, I'm turning from that, and I'm placing faith in Jesus Christ alone, receiving God's free gift of salvation. If you confess with your mouth, Paul says in Romans chapter 10, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, look real quickly again at Acts 10. Do we see these, these four key truths communicated by, by Paul, by, by Peter? Yeah, absolutely. He, he talks to them about who God is, the, the judge of the living and the dead. He talks about their, their problem. He talks about sin and, and the need to, 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 to turn from sin, the, the need to receive forgiveness of sin. He talks about who Jesus Christ is, and he talks about the need to respond. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. What a beautiful, precious Sunday for us to meditate on the resurrection. For those of you who are Christians, who are, who are in Christ, my, my encouragement to you would be to love God, to see the beauty of his son, Jesus, and, and to commit afresh and, and to say, God, 
please continue to, to compel me as I behold the beauty of your son, as I think about the, your resurrected son. Give me the, the joy as I, as I love you and I love him. Give me the, the joy of being obedient to you and, and sharing this message with others. I'm going to be continuing to, to think through that with you in the weeks and months to come. And may God forgive us of our sin of not being obedient to that. And may God give us a great joy in our obedience as, as we bring to mind ways that we can share this good news and, and boldness. And then for those of you who aren't believers, for those of you who are just here this morning wondering about your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, let me invite you to receive the invitation that God has given to be obedient to the command, really, that God has given to believe in his son, Jesus. To turn from your self-righteousness, the self-righteousness we all struggle with, and to place your faith in Jesus Christ alone. That would be my prayer today, that today, this, this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, could be a joyous day for you as you place your faith in Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we know that only you can bring about salvation. Only you can, can save us. Only you can save those whom we love. And, and Father, we are, beseech you this morning because there are those in our life who do not worship you yet. And, and we pray that, that you would reveal your beauty to them. That they would see that you are the, the great God who, who is holy, who is without sin, and, and yet is a God who desperately longs to welcome sinners, to, to bring them into relationship with you. Please draw us by your beauty and mercy into worship of you and to proclaim that beauty to others. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.